Well, hey there. Um, this is Chris Lay, the podcast operation manager for Lee. And normally this is where I tell you about Bruce and Jared, co-hosts and uh, Sioux City Journal, et cetera. But uh, this is a fun little bonus episode where Jared and I are going to just talk about Halloween, the, the Halloween film franchise, uh, kind of dig in a little bit heavier into the most recent addition to that collection of uh, movies directed by David Gordon Green. So stick around, should be fun. Let us know what you think, subscribe, etc. This one's gonna be a little ragged. Just kind of pushing it out there in a in a loose conversational way. We, we have a nice little chat. So there you go. Thanks so much. And here is Jared McNett and I talking about Halloween, specifically Halloween Kills. I just kind of wanted this uh, this little episode, mini-sode, I guess, to be really loose. I don't, I can't imagine I'm going to do too much editing to it. Um, just kind of a loose sort of a, a free-for-all talk about Halloween and the Halloween franchise and where that's at and and the the our thoughts about the the first in this. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of it's a weird trilogy in the sense that I don't like when they made the first movie, it could have just ended there. And now it almost seems like it's going to be like the Halloween two and three is going to be, uh, you know, like sequels to themselves in any, in, in a way, but I don't know. We can, we can, we can wade into to more of that, but yeah, we're talking about Halloween, the, the Halloween movies originally, by John Carpenter and um oh what was uh his his wife's name who wrote it uh Deborah Hill yes Deborah Hill I'm they, they were they were they were a duo right they were uh, a couple I believe I think but I don't know for sure so I would uh... <laughs> yeah John Carpenter and Deborah Hill written by Deborah Hill directed by John Carpenter yep um do you remember the first time that you saw that first Halloween movie? Um, I don't, although I'm sure I probably saw it like at some point when I was originally when I was younger and would be flipping through. Like, I feel like that one was always on AMC, I think, like around Halloween time, obviously. And so I know I caught like bits and pieces of it then, but I actually can't remember the first time I like sat down and watched it in full. But I mean, now it's, you know, it's routine for me every Halloween I watched not only that one but now Halloween 3 also as well as uh, the newer one I've watched that like on successive Halloweens too so it's definitely over time become kind of a, a cornerstone of the the month and also just of like movies I like in general like the original in particular is kind of one of my favorite movies at this point I think so yeah it's a it's a it's a slasher but in this very almost abstract sense, there isn't that much blood in the first film. There's obviously some murders and there's a lot of, you know, people being lifted up by, by Michael Myers and, you know, held or, you know, impaled onto, onto something. Um, but, but it's, it's, it's not a very bloody film in, in the way that people think about slashers and going into this, 
I was thinking about it and it's one of the movies that is, I think, academically dissected a whole lot, be, partly because it's such a sparse frame of a plot and, and of characters. Yeah, it kind of it lends itself more to interpretation in that way, because in a lot of ways, and I don't mean this as an insult, it's kind of a slight movie. Like, it's only like 90 minutes or so. The plot, you know, is pretty threadbare guy breaks you know this kid kills his parents uh, or not his parents kid kills his sister you know gets thrown away in a middle institution he breaks out and then he you know wreaks havoc again in the town that he's from that's basically that's the whole plot of the movie and like even the way you know it's shot and everything like there's some kind of longer takes there's not a lot of like really loud sounds or anything except for you know when john carpenter wants there to be but the soundtrack even though like that score is iconic it's not playing the whole time through so there's a lot of time where there's just total quiet going on in the movie so in like a lot of different ways it's a very sparse and very slight movie which yeah like you were trying to say really kind of lends itself then to people putting whatever they want into it in terms of their interpretations yeah hey there's a lot of parallels, I think, to Jaws in that sense. Uh, I mean, Jaws obviously was a lot more sparse, partly because the shark never worked and would have been a, a worse film if uh, if the shark had worked because they'd have more of the shark in there and they wouldn't have had to be so sparing with it. Um, and also, you know, the purposeful use of the of the music um, and. And again, I mean, something where you can allegorically layer so much into it with, with Halloween, it can be the, you know, challenge to masculinity by the, you know, feminism and, you know, whichever wave of feminism was going on at the time, um, you know, their, you know, toxic masculinity. <laughs> I mean, there's any number of ways that you can slice that film and come up with stuff that is that is meaningful and not incorrect but also not necessarily something that i think john carpenter or deborah hill were hyper conscious of i mean back then no one was making these movies expecting them to be you know the subject of doctoral theses <laughs> you know uh, you know it was um just kind of get in get out make your make your fast buck as best you can and you know they weren't even thinking about home video releases much less you know academic deconstructions um how how versed are you in the the other obviously halloween 2 follows the the michael myers storyline right and then halloween 3 doesn't have michael myers in it at all and we can no. We can definitely wade into that a little bit more where, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any other franchise where you've got this other film that doesn't even belong there. I mean, it's like the closest I can think of is like Troll and Troll 2, where Troll 2 is about <laughs> goblins, you know? I, I, um, the, only, the only thing that like, at least of like the big, big horror franchises that I can think kind of even comes even remotely close is like, and I, I just watched this for the first time, is uh, the fifth 
uh, Friday the 13th movie doesn't have Jason in it at all, but it still has like a Jason imposter killing people. So like, it's still, you know, is close enough, even though it's not the actual real deal, Jason killing people. But yeah, Halloween 3, like, that was their attempt to kind of turn it into an anthology series. And, you know, it's only set on Halloween and there's not really any relationship to Michael Myers or Haddonfield otherwise. And <laughs> people really hated it. Yeah. And I mean, it's now at the time, I can totally understand that as the knee jerk reaction because you've got a, a bait and switch, <laughs> you know, yep. that'd be like, you know, going into, you know, see, um, you know, John wick four. And instead you get a, uh, you know, a fast and the furious movie. Like it's, it's in the yep. same kind of realm, but it's a very different thing entirely. <laughs> and yeah. And then after that, you have the, like the numbering gets weird. I think after after Halloween three, season of the witch, there's one is is one I'm also kind of a fan of, which is uh Halloween four. Uh and they made a big deal out of it, like when it came out even Halloween four, the return of Michael Myers. And like the, the, the return part in like the posters is pretty prominent to make it clear that everybody he's uh he's back. You wanted him, here he is. Michael Myers is uh returned and um that one of any of the uh, movies, and I think it's one reason I kind of have a fondness for it and watched it a couple times now, is especially at the beginning, it makes very clear to establish that it's fall. It just feels super, super autumnal. And I really, really kind of appreciate that. It, there's just like this kind of like coziness to it at the beginning, but also this kind of sadness that comes with, you know, fall as it's slowly stretching into winter time. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, things just <laughs> devolve more from there because four, five, and six are all part of like their own trilogy with like Michael Myers's niece. And then you get the uh, Halloween H2O and then uh, Resurrection, which Jamie Lee Curtis was in uh, both of those. And those movies are kind of a, a mess and muddy, muddy up the uh, continuity even more. I'm going to, um, H2O, first of all, Halloween H2O, I get that it's 20 years later, but H2O, terrible. 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 I mean, I know that that's pre-Google, but geez, like there's just, you, you can't do anything with that at all. And no. I watched that for the first time just the other day and I had a blast with it. It, it is a, a completely different beast. It is in that same realm of like 90s, horror movies like scream it's like scream but a halloween movie yep i mean i'm thinking you know like scream idle hands there there isn't nearly as much of a you know elbow to the ribs like knowing wink you know uh scenario that or aspect to it but it's it was it was a ton of fun you know i uh i enjoyed it for what it was and was H2O the last the last Halloween movie up until David Gordon Green? I, unless I'm getting it wrong, I think it's H2O and then Resurrection, but uh That's right. Yeah, you said yeah. earlier, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then yeah, Resurrection was like 2002 and then there was the two Rob Zombie movies which I know have a certain like 
fervency with people online. It's, some people really, really like those, but obviously those got pretty dinged and uh, beaten up. And then the Halloween movies kind of got left alone until uh, 2018. Yeah. And I think there's, there's more to the, uh, the Rob Zombie versions um, where I think he, he goes out on a limb and adds all of this additional backstory to Michael Myers, who, I mean, the thing about the first movie that is so chilling is that he's just so still and set on his mission. You never see him run. You never see him, you know, do anything crazy. He just kind of appears out of places and, and then disappears as quickly. Um, and, and there's, that's really about it. I mean, it's, a, it's such a, a sketch of, of a film and it's you just got a wisp of a plot really. And, you know, backstory that's in there. And then to add all this stuff, it's hard it's hard to make something and because you have to add something to make something new in a way to make it your own. But something like that, where the charm was that there wasn't, it was just this void. (laughs) Um, You know, it's, it's, it's like jaws where it's like, uh, yeah, the shark, it, it swims around, eats things and makes other sharks. And that's it. That's the whole purpose of it. And that was Michael Myers. And then to not humanize, but I mean, it's, it's been a while since I've seen either of those, uh, the Rob Zombie versions, but um, yeah, that those yeah. are much more a, your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and basically like the, the thing with any of these is, and obviously not just with like horror franchises, but with any franchise, when you're doing like a remake or a sequel or whatever, but I guess especially with remakes. So like when Rob Zombie was doing his or when David Gordon Green was doing Halloween 2018, you really only kind of have three options to go with in terms of like what you're doing with the original you can either like refine the original further which obviously with halloween is going to be tough because again we've talked about there's not that much to the original movie so to refine it even further is going to be next to impossible um you can add on to like what the original has but i mean obviously that one risks pissing off people if you add stuff that they think is preposterous and has no place in that world or you can just make the same movie again which is obviously the route they went with like the the newer of the star wars uh sequels and you don't even really have to try you just basically you know you know slap a new coat of paint on but otherwise it's pretty much the same movie that people have seen before yeah it's all the same beats which i mean and to a certain you know defense of that i mean a sliver of a defense i guess is that um, you know, George Lucas was su- such a slavish devotee uh, to the, you know, Joseph Campbell's hero myth and all of the, the story structure and the, all of that and ripped off a lot of, you know, samurai films. And I mean, he just kind of put new skin on some of these very specific, you know, well, well-worn sets of narrative bones um, to make that. So I, I'm kind of fine with that, but um, yeah, but it's, you know, it, it really is hard to top the original in, in the sense of Halloween when it, yeah, there, there's just nothing to really build on. Like you, like, like you were saying, you, you can't tear it down any further because it, it's already in such a pure distilled form. And then to add anything else, you, 
there's a lot more risk than there is reward. And you see that in pretty much the rest of the series up to, I think the, the David Gordon green reimaginings, um, <clears throat> which partly, and we can definitely take a little bit of a tangent here into this is that he comes from such a rigorous film background. I mean, he is a very technical and well-trained experienced director even if he's had some really weird flops in his past um but you know i mean he's he's got a movie in in the criterion collection his debut um which is a really great film and i think you know his first five or six movies are all varying degrees of amazing um and then it gets real weird. It's sort of like, uh, I think of like when, when Kevin Smith discovered weed and then everything just kind of like hit the skids. <laughs> and I feel like, I feel like da- like David Gordon green is kind of like up there in that same, like something happened and all of a sudden he became like, he leaned a little bit too hard into the stoner comedy and to real mixed, mixed results. Because, I mean, we talked about, you know, last week on here, I talked about Pineapple Express a little bit because I had rewatched that before Halloween Kills. And, you know, you talked about Your Highness. But then there was also, he did The Sitter, too, which I don't think anyone even remembers that. At least Your Highness gets remembered as, like, a, you know, hilarious flop. But, like, The Sitter, that one's just completely forgettable. And I don't think anyone remembers that in his career or in uh, Jonah Hill's career either. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's varying degrees of memory hold David Gordon Green movies. <laughs> but then yeah, there's, like you were like you were talking about, yeah, like George Washington. I watched that for the first time last week, and I think I talked a little bit about it last week. It's a a beautiful movie. It's like one of the better movies I think I've seen about, you know, kids growing up and navigating not just race, but you know, class and like so many other like big you know, massive issues in anyone's life. And it's beautiful. I, I absolutely loved it. And it's poetic and it's, yeah, just weird to think this is the same guy that's now doing uh, a horror franchise. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I have a real sweet spot for, for George Washington and some of his other early films, specifically all the real girls, uh, because they're set in North Carolina and you know, I was raised in like the Piedmont region of North Carolina, went to college in the mountains. So I've, you know, driven through like the, the mill towns of, you know, the foothills, you know, region that, that he set, you know, a handful of those movies. I can't remember if Snow Angels is in North Carolina or not, but I know that that's where he's, he's set a bunch of his movies, but um, yeah. I mean, and nobody talks about the like the Boston Marathon like bombing movie that he did with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I mean, there's there are so many yep. just weird movies that, that he's done. Um, I mean, was it Manglehorn? Is that another one that he yep. did with? Yeah, with I mean, uh, Pacino. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's just like on, on paper, these are all things that wouldn't necessarily be, you know, home runs or even inside the park you know, uh, like, like doubles or triples, but should be solid singles. And they just kind of feel like they are pop flies. Um, and I'm, yeah, like what, what's, what's wrong with them? I I'm, I'm, I'm very confused, but now it's, you know, 
now that he's working with Blumhouse and doing the Halloween movies, it feels like he's he's hit a cash cow. Uh, and it seems like it is artistically challenging and validating to him. And uh, Danny McBride as well is his co-writer for for those films. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm I it's been a while. I saw the first one of his in the theater and I have not revisited it. But I, I had a really great time, and it's one that was a a, a, a very enjoyable theater experience with, yeah, with no, a crowd. That, um, that's going to be one of the more like uh, memorable theater experiences for me too. Is, is seeing that one in theaters. Like the crowd was like completely into it. They were laughing and like you know shocked and everything else. And it was a packed house when I saw that one in 2018. It's like right up there with like. Um, in like whatever year that was 2009 i guess when inglorious bastards came out that was another really fun uh theater experience too but yeah halloween 2018 in the theater with a, a packed house was up there for me in terms of uh movie going experiences yep yeah i mean that's it's that first david gordon green halloween movie it it had such positive expectations because it was a this you know indie auteur coming in and putting his stamp on this you know franchise and then really living up to the hype and making this thing that was a a ton of fun and and felt new but also respected the the the, the films that came before all of them in, in their way um and you know there's there's even that nod to halloween three in in both of the the david gordon green films that we've seen so far which is fantastic. Uh, and yeah. And so what did you think of Halloween kills Halloween kills? Yeah, I, I really liked it. I didn't like it quite as much as the last one, which I absolutely loved. Um, and like I said, I've revisited, uh, every Halloween or October time since. Um, but in terms of like, a sequel and like I was watching it partly thinking you know in the lineage of other horror sequels where a lot of the time you know with other horror sequels one thing we talked about last week is that sometimes they'll uh change up the the tone or even the genre of the movie completely with you know takes a chance on Massacre 2 or Aliens but then a lot of the other ones will just get way nastier and way more violent which is certainly <laughs> the case with Halloween Kills versus Halloween like uh, even compared to the the previous movie of Michael Myers, is way more vicious in this movie. He kills way more people, and it's just um, way more unstoppable. So I, I was kind of thinking about all of that when I was watching it in the theater. Which I should say, uh, the crowd that I saw it with was, I think, the biggest crowd that's been in a theater that I've seen since you know people started going back to the theaters this year. Which that, then I kind of knew that, like, obviously this one's going to be number one at the box office and is probably going to do pretty well at the box office considering the circumstances, which it did. Um, so, yeah, I, I was thinking about all of that with horror sequels and everything when I was watching it. And I, I will say that the first, like, the first little part of it with, like, the flashbacks and everything, which kind of opened the movie, I was a little bit out on that and I didn't feel like I really needed to have those flashbacks. And the, I, I get why people are annoyed with the, uh, the CGI uh, Loomis that pops up too. Um, but uh, 
once the movie kind of settled in, I really had a good time with it. And I kind of loved the way they, they set up for the third movie. And I didn't feel like it was that cheap of a setup for the third movie either. So, yeah, I, I would put it a little bit lower than the last one. But I, I liked it more than like the original Halloween 2. Um, and I definitely like it more than some of the other Halloween sequels, like five and six and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think I had a, a, I liked this one less than you. Like, I think I probably enjoyed H2O a little bit more than this, like, but just an edge and, and for different reasons, I guess they're, you know, different films, obviously. Um, but this one, I like I was talking earlier about how they, you know, there's a certain academic approach that, that a lot of people are taking to deconstructing what horror films reflect or, uh, you know, pull out of you know, the, the, the American psyche and, <laughs> you know, populace, uh, cultural experience type stuff. Um, and this one, it felt like it was leaning into that in a way that was kind of ham-fisted, specifically the the mob scene and the the whole evil dies tonight, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, chorus uh, that evil dies tonight, evil dies tonight. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what spoiler evil did not die that night. No did not and <laughs> yeah it's a uh it was fine but it just felt a little bit goofy and i think with so many of the lines being ridiculous there's so many little bits of, of the script that are just like there's there's no real finesse to them to even try and make them sound like something a human would actually say to another human being as opposed to i'm saying this because i have to move the plot along <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, incorporate some kind of exposition into something or tag on to something that happened in the past to make sure that I, you know, hang a light over something so the audience can, you know, keep tagging along. But it's a movie that I can't stop thinking about. And part of it is just the, the fact that it was made very well. It's It's shot really well. All of the effects are are fantastic it it is really over the top gore wise and a lot of the music have... i was gonna say the, the music is fantastic yet again like i i saw a couple people dogging like them like messing around with the the main theme but like i kind of appreciate that this far in with that iconic of a theme john carpenter can still find a new interpretation of that theme and then some of the other music in it because i was actually listening to the soundtrack yesterday when i was driving like there are some really beautiful other pieces in there too that lean way more into piano that i really really appreciated it almost kind of reminded me more of some of the music that carpenter did for like the fog or some at super atmospheric stuff like that so even that was on point too yeah and i know i mean at this point people talk about him as a uh composer almost as much as they talk about him as a director but it still seems like he's he's underrated as as a composer he's a you know has just a, a phenomenal ear for melody and and especially things that are going to prop up the the imagery yep and, and the pacing and the tone and everything that 
that he's been, you know, leaning on cinematically for for so long. We're not leaning on. Uh, it's not. He, he's not resting on his laurels, except when he is. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I think that's uh, where else we want to go. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, you were talking about the 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 mob stuff, and I, I get why some people have kind of like. Uh, uh, laughed at that or thought that that was kind of uh, ridiculous but uh, a ripple of that that I did sort of appreciate that I it's hard not to notice when you're watching through the Halloween movies like kind of in some semblance of an order as they like go on uh, Donald Pleasance as uh, Loomis just gets progressively more unhinged but to the point where like by the, the fourth movie he's like about ready to gun down a child and like you know just has a hair trigger and just can't help but rant and rave to anyone that will listen to him and i did kind of appreciate that they basically transposed what happens to him throughout those movies onto the entire town and even if the the mob part in particular didn't work i i do think there is something to be said for like you know just staring into this awful thing for long enough you're just going to drive yourself up a complete wall and i mean i think everybody now has their own version of that like for a lot of people it's just staring at their phone all the time and you know just reading one <laughs> bad story after another that's gonna put you in a, a weird place too and so i i did appreciate that aspect of it even if the evil dies tonight chance and stuff like that didn't work fully i think the the evil dies tonight chant was really goofy i think it was more just that it, it was very on the nose, I think, as as social commentary of someone who was in need of help, the, the psychiatric patient who uh, was being vilified on zero evidence and, <laughs> you know, just this kind of knee-jerk, uh, you know, blood orgy uh, of everyone just wanting to vent and 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 the fact that he was there um and you know was driven to to do what he did i guess so i don't know i mean th there was just something about that that it it lacked a lot of subtlety but also i feel like maybe um complaining about lack of subtlety in this film is maybe the the that's that, that's more my problem than it is the movie's problem <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> One other thing I was curious about, because um, I know this has been a thing that a lot of people have dinged the movie for too. How did you feel about how um, how Jamie Lee Curtis gets used in this movie? Because I, I mostly didn't mind that she's kind of sidelined more in this one. Well, I mean, wasn't that part of the whole thing? Was the 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 retconning? I guess the idea that Michael Myers isn't necessarily after her. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it, just, it seemed like that was part of it. Uh, and also, I don't know how much of it was, you know, schedules or, you know, her, you know, any kind of like COVID aspects to, <laughs> you know, post-production right. or any, anything along those lines. I don't know how many changes had to be made along the way, or if this was the, the full vision, uh, going in. Um, but I didn't, I didn't mind that so much. Um, but I'm not married to any of the mythology and I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, 
she's she's getting up there in years. I know that they they definitely made the the first David Gordon Green movie was very much you know Pistol Pack and Mama, Jamie Lee Curtis, right. and and this is her. You know, I mean, yeah, it's her. You know, loading up all of these you know booby traps in the house and <laughs> whatever else, uh, and it's it's a little bit of a turn for this movie where she pretty much spends you know what 95% of it in a in a hospital room yep um so yeah and it also but it also feels like with this being the middle of a trilogy it kind of hinges cuz it's going to be pointing towards maybe somebody else taking the lead or setting up for the next film where she's going to have more of a role mm-hmm. there's you know it gives it gives them a lot of different directions that they can go as far as expectations and playing with that yeah and it, in terms of uh in terms of roles in this movie and everything the absolute definite uh mvp in this one is uh judy greer i i i loved her in the last one and she is phenomenal in uh in halloween kills big fan of her in, in this movie no, she is a, uh, she's come a long way from Arrest Development. A still underappreciated uh, actress, I would say, even now. I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, good for, good for her. So, yep. yeah, I'm excited for, for the next one, whenever it comes out, even if I, I feel like I, I have really mixed feelings about this movie, Halloween Kills, but I certainly enjoyed it. And I mean, the, the ride itself was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, it's more, I think me, I mean, it feels like it was exactly the film that they wanted to make. <laughs> There's just some elements of it that I feel like if, if they'd been tweaked would have <laughs> made it a different film, but also made it maybe a little bit more effective. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, it was, I had a good time. Yeah. Well, you can ask. Do, you, do, do you uh do you find yourself um wanting, you know, the this final one to come out and then wanting to see David Gordon Green going back to doing other stuff again that maybe isn't quite so high profile after this? I don't know. Um he's got a lot of different avenues that, that he can go down. Obviously, he's got horror credentials. He's that, that are earned and he's got indie credentials and he's got comedy credentials and he's got TV credentials directing so many episodes of Eastbound and Down and being very involved with um, all of the, you know, Jody Hill written and produced projects. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'd be really interested to see what kinds of more heartfelt films he wanted to make. I mean, his first, you know, five or six movies are very personal and I think reflect someone with something to prove artistically and trying to really use the medium to to convey emotions. And then after that, there's just a lot of spectacle yep. in, in a very juvenile way, which I mean, I'm I'm not at all against juvenile spectacles <laughs> no but um again not all of them really worked i think pineapple express is phenomenal and you know was a 
perfect movie at that time. And I mean, aspects of it haven't aged well, but whatever. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see him see, see his work, I think, reflect where he's at in life more. But I mean, I don't, I don't know how much that's going to, to kick in. I mean, I, I'm thinking of with all the real girls and not all, you know, stories are autobiographical by any stretch, but the emotions that are in all the real girls and um, the age of, of the, the main character was very similar to his age and the location, very similar to where he grew up. And I don't know, I, I would just, it really spoke to, I think, that phase of life where you've, you've had experiences, you've had love, and you're processing a lot of toxic stuff. And, you know, sometimes taking down other people in, in the process in a way that isn't helpful. Um, and, but you grow from it. It's, I would be really intrigued to see him apply that amount of introspection into things that are things that he does after, but yeah, but I'm also going to be perfectly happy if he, you know, moves on to something else. I, I'd be interested to see if he coming off of Halloween and clearly reinvigorating that whole franchise, if he's going to get picked up in the same way that Marvel and, um, you know, Jurassic Park have been going after up and coming indie auteurs. Colin Trevorrow getting picked up, uh, you know, (laughs) after safety, not guaranteed. And uh, anyway, so I'm kind of wondering if, if if there's something like that in his future or if he's just not really interested. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I mean, you know, because another one of his that I uh, talked about uh, on here before, like even something that wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things, Joe, I mean, that was like 2013, 2014. That's a really like heartfelt and very emotional kind of movie. And yeah, yeah I would love to, to see more stuff like that because I think that particular kind of uh, storytelling, those sorts of characters don't really pop up in a lot of uh, movies necessarily. And so I would definitely be all here for more stories like that or like George Washington or like uh, all the real girls. So, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, if he can get, get his mojo back uh, as far as big screen comedy goes, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I feel like the, the sitter and your highness were clearly <laughs> misfires, but not in ways that I don't want to say were weren't without charm, but I mean they were definitely big swings. <laughs> so I don't know. there you go. You know, uh, you know, he reinvigorated the the Halloween movies, um, but a, a far bigger challenge, like a final boss fight for anyone at this point is uh, reinvigorating comedies at the at the movie theater because it feels like that has kind of become a dead-end avenue and that most of the comedies we see now are, what, pretty much going to Netflix, Prime, and Hulu? Like, I mean, what's the last big, you know, movie theater comedy that comes to my game night? Is that still the most recent one that we turn to? Blockers, maybe? That was the, those are the two that I'm thinking of. 
um, that yeah. came to mind immediately. But I'm thinking and that's that's the, like two and a half years ago now. Yep. Uh, both of those are fantastic, but the yep. Um, the ones that have kind of clicked recently for me, like Barb and Star, Go to Vista Del Mar, was, you know, ridiculous, you know, comedy that I think would have been, once people are going back to movie theaters a lot more often, I could see some of these getting, um, you know, cult re-releases and things like that. I would love to see Barb and Star in a, in a theater packed full of people that kind of know what they're getting for the most part and have also brought people that have no idea what they're getting into. And same thing with, I mean, I, I would enjoy Vacation Friends. That's another one that I feel like a lot of people <laughs> kind of <laughs> disagree with me on, but I had a blast with that. Um, yeah, I know that it, it did come out in theaters, but I would really enjoy, and it's, it's a different thing to a degree, um, but Suicide Squad was really good as well. And maybe, maybe I'm just in, in John Cena mode here with, with my thinking, but anyway. But yeah, yeah I, no, that's you're onto something. that's your next that's your next challenge, David Gordon Green. Uh, execute a hit comedy in, in theaters. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you top the box office with horror. Now you have to fix every single problem that Hollywood has with selling <laughs> medium budget comedies. Yep. No pressure. <laughs> nope. None whatsoever. Piece of cake, man. Yeah. Well, on that on that note, I think we're uh, we're good to go. So um, I think so. Yeah. And we'll be back tomorrow with uh, another episode. So I won't I won't have you send people out in, into the world. But um, yeah, thank you everyone for uh, enjoying this little uh, little bite sized nibble. And uh, thank thank you, Jared, for taking the time. And yeah, go watch Halloween three. There you go. There's my sent off. There we go. Yeah. <laughs>